0: Hello, I'm Mark Tucker, and I'm Alan Furstenberg. Welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How's it been going for you, Mark? Oh, it's been it's been good. Pretty busy, but uh, busy. I understand. Oh, do I understand busy? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> good busy. Uh, I hope. Yeah. No, it's been. Did you happen to
0: catch the uh, Voice Flow launch um, V two launch? I did today? catch. I did catch the Voice Flow V two launch. It was. Uh, it's interesting. I I have not used VoiceFlow before. So the launch kind of overwhelmed me with this whole pile of here are all of these great things that we're doing new. And my reaction was, that's fantastic. Where do I begin? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited to begin and start working with stuff, but man, it seems like they're doing an awful lot of great stuff.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, lots of different things as far as being able to <clears throat> uh, create projects, you know, whether it be prototyping from the uh, designer's perspective, but trying to move that into a designer developer workflow
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, where, um, that you can reuse. They've got some open source, uh, runtimes where you can, in essence, export in JSON format, the data that you've created in your mod, uh, your, your model. Of everything, how you know what the flow is going to be and all that stuff, and then pair that with an open source um, runtime, and you can deploy on on
0: Alexa. I th- I think Google, Alexa, um, Alexa and Dialogflow, and I think they said uh, both Dialogflow. I think they even said Dialogflow CX, but I'm not sure. Um, and for the Google Assistant, and for mobile, and for desktop, and for web apps, and for call <laughs> centers, and for I mean they're they're listing all of this, stu- these new integrations, which are just amazing. Yeah,
1: it reminds me of, uh, of the the three O launch of, of Jovo, where they just announced a whole bunch of um, capabilities beyond the the you know big two that everybody's used to to hearing uh, about. So, uh, I have to dig in more. You know, I've I've used Voiceflow a little bit as far as you know, just prototyping, kind of playing around, trying to see what it could do, trying to understand where the no code is but i'm looking i'm excited to jump in and check out some of this open source stuff and see where the runtimes are going yeah
0: no one of the really exciting things is it sounds like it's taking it from what was originally a design tool Mm -hmm. into much more of a you know design develop project management project runtime you know full set integration system it's really exciting looking well, cause there
1: was even something that they had talked about. I, I joined the after party at, uh, um, like with I, I, Dr. Terry Fisher and voiced in and did an after party thing, you know, I'm, you know, coding away, working, listening to the, um, what was going on. And they even said that you could take the code that you created on the, um, you know, web version of Voiceflow and export that out, use one of these runtimes, run it on your own hardware. <laughs> And they you know even said if something happened and Voiceflow flow went completely down, your stuff would still be running. Right. And I'm just like,
0: whoa. Well, I mean they're, yeah, they were talking about you know how there's a, a pipeline so that you know you have you have an ASR, you have the NLU, you've got their runtime, you know, but all of those components are modular and most of them are open source. So if you don't want to use their NLU, plug in your own. Plug in the dialogue flow NLU. Plug in the Rasa NLU. Doesn't matter. It's all there. And if, for whatever reason, you wanted to go put this on a tiny embedded device, and you had an NLU for it, and you had an ASR for it, congratulations. You've just you know mocked up a you know a, a conversational interface that you can now go install on a standalone device, and that's just amazing.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It blows my mind, and it once again it reminds me of um, all the different integration points that Jovo was talking about. So, so I'm thinking about you know, and I, this was even asked. It's like, at some point, there's got to be a voice flow to Jovo integration of some sort. Um, well, yeah, it, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, take the the top no code um, solution out there and pair that with
0: what what I think is one of the top. Uh, Mm -hmm. voice frameworks out there and well i mean even they were saying at one point you know that in in setting things up for a runtime you'd be able to export it and then you know the the export format is documented so you just need to create the translator to turn that export format into the import format for something else yeah so there's there's a lot of potential places where this can go You know, and so, you know, who knows where, where the platforms will need to adapt to handle this sort of stuff.
1: Well, and I just get excited anytime anybody in the voice community has something, you know, this big, something to celebrate. It just really shows um, where things are advancing uh, in in the field, you know, and just excited to see, you know, people be successful.
0: I agree. You know, and I think one of the things that this really does is it pushes us all forward. You know, it was uh, fantastic last week at, at Launch U.S. Um, that we had a voxable in kind of explaining what their design tool was. Right. Um, so it was great to see them. But it was also great to see uh, Braden from VoiceFlow there and Jan from Jovo there. <laughs> and, you know, it's it goes back to our discussion that we are this big community and we may be rival rivals in different places but we're all have this goal of pushing everything forward. Right. And as, as one of the, 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 you know, one of the bigger um, leaders in the field makes big jumps ahead. You're going to see the other ones also making those jumps ahead. And I yeah. think that's wonderful. I really think that's, that's great that this community is like that.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for, you know, what, what else is coming out of VoiceFlow. I, I, you know, looking at what they have and thinking, all right, soon you're going to have to do something with a content management system. There's got to, you know, you've got data in there now. Yeah. You have to try to figure out what is the workflow for the you know the people that have to worry about the the text to speech or the you know audio assets. Like, uh, what if we prototype everything with um, with SSML and different voices, but then make it easy to um, overlay those with uh, celebrity voices or you know any. Mm-hmm. Any type of um,
0: I, I think we're definitely at the talent. point. I think there, we're definitely at the point where the next big technology that we need to see developed are the CMS systems, and you and I have discussed this in the past yeah. as well. Wow, that was just all
1: this. I didn't know I had so much to talk about with the, the voiceful launch. But once we got started, I was well, like, "It's wow, exciting!"
0: There's... I mean, it's exciting stuff. It's always exciting to see new stuff coming out in this field. I agree. Yeah. So you let's know, unpack, we'll be working on that for- <laughs> We will, you know, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should talk about getting, you know, some of the, the developer relations people from Jovo and Voxable and VoiceFlow on the show to, to talk with yeah. us. Yeah, oh, it'd you be know, great to- what, you know. what will, you know, what what are they offering developers? What sorts of things are, are developers looking for that they they answer, that they address? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So we need to work on that one. Expect that one in the future. When we talked about what we wanted to talk about this week though, yeah, we, we kind of wanted to follow up from a show uh, about two weeks ago where we kind of started hinting at perform at uh, making sure we didn't run into performance issues. right. And the pitfalls of doing so. And since then you ran into performance issues in exactly the way we talked about on the show. Exactly. Um, so why don't, why don't you start by telling us what happened and how you fixed them? Yeah. Um, well, well, I'll tell you how I fixed
1: it. I, I just commented that code out. <laughs> so, so what happened was um, I had an existing running skill and it was running uh, DashBot and for some reason it it glitched out and it wasn't the, the endpoint wasn't hitting it so it was causing um, the my skill to go down. Well, and my action because it was SnatchWord. And so I was like, "What is going on here?" And I, you know, I was able to see the, the debug, and there was an issue. And I sent something off to Dashbot, and they, you know, they did respond back and indicated, you know, after looking into it, that they thought it was just a, a glitch that so wasn't something that's going to be, you know, run, you know, you know, going to be, I guess, long term or something. Um, but I was, you know, worried about people hitting my, you know, action and skill that day. And so I'm like, "All right, I just." Uh, in my code to just comment it out any, you know, my two or three lines that would uh, be my implementation of my, you know, Dashbot uh, um, plugin and just recompiled and re- well redeployed and off we go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so right now things are running without, you know, Dashbot analytics. Um, you know, part of that was because the uh, plugin that we had didn't do good error handling around the the Jovo plugin didn't do good uh, error handling around the Dashbot URL posting failure, mm-hmm. uh, and since that, because it's open source, uh, had somebody in our in the community uh, jump in and go ahead and make those fixes to all the different uh, plugins that had to do with analytics and uh, push those out. So.
0: So, i believe uh, it was matt i believe it was matt buck of voxable wasn't voxable i think it was <laughs> as, right. as we come full circle again <laughs> so um
1: yeah so he he did that and i you know i had sent him some information about you know what my error was looking like and he's like yeah it seems like that's the the way to go so so that's uh fixed out there and i just need to pull down the latest and you know
0: re-enable re- things
1: re-enable and re- redeploy. um but that, but that does um, answer questions. You know, one of the things that you have to do with, with performance is that you have to worry about not only how long your code is taking to run, but how long the API calls that you're calling is taking. Mm-hmm. And if any of those um, calls either have a really long timeout uh, set on them um, or, you know, take a while to determine if, if they fail, then you could be in a situation where you run out of your seven seconds um, that you get for the each round term,
0: and and it's five seconds on the Google side.
1: So, so you are even I didn't know that it was five. It's five seconds on the Google oh, side. So I got to change that on my on my skill and stuff because uh, on my you know, since I have a single code base running for both mm-hmm. um, skills and actions, I'm gonna have to change that to five. So that's even less time.
0: But, but, you know, even, even if five, five seconds is a long time when you're talking to something.
1: It is. I
0: mean, you know, if you, if you think about it and you try talking to something and you wait five seconds for an answer, that's a long time. <laughs> so, you know, even, even as generous as five seconds are, I think we need to be thinking, you know, we always need to be really conscious about how quickly we're responding. You know, and that's why one of the the tricks I like doing as much as possible, unless I need to do it during those five, you know, from the request to when I send a message back, I wait until after I send it back if I can. You know, if if I can possibly wait, I wait because, you know, half a minute, you know, half a second, you know, if I can shave off half a second, that feels like a lot. That's significant in some ways. It does. Yeah, so
1: um, like on the very basics, you need to make sure like if you're running in Lambda or some other cloud service, if you're doing something serverless, um, there is going to be um, some sort of a delay, a cold start um, time on the very first one. And you know if you've got a skill that's not getting used very much, um, then you might wanna do something like go and ping it every so often. I think actually on the, the the health check thing that they've plugged into the Google stuff actually acts Justin, as a warm.
0: It is just enough most of the time, not all the time, but most right. of the time,
1: yes. To keep the keep the keep things warm <laughs> on mm-hmm. the on the serverless side, so it's not uh, you know creating um, I guess starting everything from scratch, but but it's actually remarkably fast uh, comparatively. Um, on, on the serverless side of things to get things started up. But that's one thing to to pay attention to and make sure that the, um, how you've got things configured, like I'm running on Lambdas, um, how much, um, how big or how much memory that you set on your Lambda really determines memory and CPU. Yes. And so pay attention to, you know, how things are perceived and taking. Check your, your CloudWatch logs because it's going to tell you you know, your request response and like how much time it took, and um, and there are other tools I think that actually evaluate different versions of the the lambda, um, you know uh, scaling mm-hmm. options to mm-hmm. to to help you pick the the right one. But make sure that you're using a beefy enough. Uh, one
0: one of the one interesting point. yeah one of the interesting tricks I realized at one point was that if I doubled the amount of CPU that was allocated to it, it cut the time in half, the execution time in half, and I was paying the exact same amount because doubling the CPU costs twice as much, but it's running in half the time. Yeah. So it, it comes out to about the same price. So you know, don't think you need to run it on the cheapest option you know, experiment with, yeah, with faster exactly. CPU levels and see what the pricing of it comes at, you know, what the the real timing turns out to be. And that's yeah, especially and-, and that's especially better now that Amazon is billing for down to what is it? Tenth of a millisecond, milliseconds. They're they're yeah.
1: It's 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 definitely you know a lot smaller because I think it was like hundred milliseconds. I before, think it was right? hundred.
0: Yeah, they're they're no longer uh, rounding up to hundred milliseconds.
1: So yeah. So, um, and I've found cases where you know I've doubled it and it's more. It's taken less than half the time. So, um, you know, definitely experiment with that. So that's one thing that you want to make sure that you're doing is on. Un- uh, on your i guess infrastructure make sure that you're running the the biggest thing also make sure like if you're running against a database like dynamodb that you've got enough um, read and write capacity units or that you've got things scaled so there's just a number of things uh, on the mm-hmm. cloud resource side of things that you want to make sure that you've got things big enough to and cuz that
0: that affects performance okay. no definitely agree and i think you know that's that's certainly the the first thing to always tackle one of the things that I think shocked me when I first started using serverless was this notion that when I'm developing something locally, you know, I can run it, and I can run the timing locally, runs really well, and then I, I deploy it to the server and test it, and it's slow. You know, <laughs> the fact that that running it on these these the cloud resources as opposed to my own machine is just ridiculously slow. Um, so yes. Do your tuning locally. You need to do a lot of tuning locally, but keep in mind, it, you're still probably going to have a worse performance once it once it's actually deployed. So don't don't get it in just under the five seconds locally. Yeah. That's not good enough. You really yeah, need to aim I mean, aim low. <laughs> yeah, and you don't really necessarily
1: worry have to worry about because uh, things will scale on a serverless. So. Um, you know, it will run across multiple um, instances if it needs to. And so, um, you know, that should, should be performing, you know,
0: about as well as each other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that that's certainly one thing that fortunately we don't have to worry about, but you still need to make sure that that single run goes as fast as you possibly can. Right. You know, take some time, right. Make some notes and
1: see how it goes. And, um, Sure, there's like different things that you could set up, but I, I just um, have like the Lambda um, function you know console up and doing some monitoring as I'm running it. And I'm just seeing, you know, what is my my max um, response time and things like that. And so that mm-hmm. I can kind of keep an eye on where things are. I'm like, oh, that's not quite where I want it to be. And and then I start
0: figuring out what might be causing it. Um one of the as as we go into the what might be causing it part, I know one of the things that I started to do with multivocal, again, as part of the afterwards, and, and that actually happens throughout the entire thing, is that each request uh, logs a start and end time at various points in it. So I can see that, OK, loading the configuration took one millisecond. Hmm. Doing this part of the processing took 10 milliseconds. And when I start seeing numbers, you know, creeping up, I can now go in and look at okay, what which part of my code exactly is causing me the biggest penalty? Yep. And can I do something about that? Yeah, no, that's a
1: that's a good way to do it. Cause then you have you've got at least a log or a place someplace you can go back and look over time and say, what was it last month? Or right. you know what's what's going on now? What's what's right. different?
0: What's taking yep. time? And putting that instrumentation in up front. Yeah. lets you go back and say, okay, where where have I started running into problems? What's happening now?
1: Yeah. And i when I do logging, I go through a logging class where I can then uh, change it. So it's not just console logs that get logged all yeah. the time. Then I can set an environment variable which is a log level. And so I can turn you know full debug on, which is going to give me my intern, exit logging, all of my you know trying to find something exactly where something is. And then um, once things seem to be up and working, I can turn that to a yep. less verbose logging. So you're, you're going to be logging less, there's going to be less clutter in your CloudWatch logs and things like that.
0: Yep, the thing I like about this, about the way I do it with multivocal now is I have that individual logging when I'm trying to, to figure out a problem. This lets me kind of get a snapshot of the whole thing mm-hmm. and say, okay, the whole request took a second, but this chunk took you know, half of that time. Right. And if I, even if I don't know exactly what in that is, is taking it, I can start to narrow down.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. You can do that because it turns out that you might need to make multiple REST API calls to get to something that you need. And just remembering every, every, you know, request response cycle is completely um, stateless. And so if you're going to have some state stored in a database, then it's going to start and it's going to pull that information that user session state um, out of the database. And at the very end, it's going to write it back to the database. Um, and so you can start to use those things, but you know, you, you might need to you know, make an API call to get a token to then call a secure endpoint or like you know, mm-hmm. log in or authenticate some way um, to then make an API call. And maybe Great. you have to make two or three API calls as part of one thing and that might you know be taking 2 seconds to make all those API calls.
0: Right, and some of that may even be out of your control. You know, if you're using yep. a library that is, you know, making calls that have to authenticate with OAuth, the library may be the one that realizes, "Oh, this token has expired. Let me go refresh the token." Well, right. that's now another API call or two that's out of your control. Right. So it needs to be done, so, but you're not doing it.
1: Yeah. So pay attention. Like if you've got options on for different ways of, of different providers of this, you know, service um, maybe take a look at that um, and, and make your choice based on how chatty um, the the API is. Um, or if you're working on an internal project with a team that's in control of the API, then you may need to say, Hey, I need this other endpoint over here. That's going to give me back exactly the data that I need or, or, or maybe use something like GraphQL or some of the, the newer technology where you can say, um, I've got these multiple tables that have information in it, but I only want to do a join across these two. And this is the infor- all the information that I want back. And they can do all that in, you know, one API call.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things, and this is an issue I encounter a lot in Voodoo Drive because it does a lot with the Google Drive API and hitting yeah. the Sheets API and, you know, when sheets start getting long, they start getting slow. Um, what? Yeah, shocking. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting to start saying, okay, how can I narrow down what I'm asking for Yeah. as much as possible up front? Because what, what eventually does start happening is, you know, even if you're requesting a large chunk of data, even if that's, you know, a thousand records, you know, that starts adding up.
1: That is a lot. Yeah. And again,
0: you know, when you're even if you're just talking 100 records, if the records are large enough, the network time to transmit that starts creeping up. And again, maybe we're talking 200 milliseconds, maybe we're talking 500 milliseconds. That starts adding up when your limit is 5,000 milliseconds yeah. to do everything. When, you know, when you have to start thinking about it in those terms, you're like, okay, how do I shave off a hundred milliseconds? Because that's, that's a crucial hundred milliseconds suddenly.
1: Yeah. Well, and you, you know, you have to think about it. You're not going to, um, you know, there might be a reason to return back a hundred rows or a thousand rows, but it's not like you're going to go through and say, item one is this summary information. Item right. two, you're not, you're not going to do that. You're going to you know, only want to have you know, three or four, maybe five at the most options you know, coming back on something. Um, so then you just really have to think about, okay, how am I going to do paging mm-hmm. or implement some of these other uh, technologies? Um, something that I do, like if I'm, if I'm going through some information and, and you get to what would be like a detail page in an application, And so that like the context now is a specific person or a specific day or whatever the the thing is, then I actually save that result of the API call for that specific item, or maybe even the last API calls results Mm -hmm. back in my user data store. Um, you know, and as long as that doesn't get too big, then then that a lot of times is going to be faster, and has already that call already needs to be done anyway um, for the other stuff I'm saving. That now I've just saved an API call that I have to, or a series of API calls that mm-hmm. I have to make to get that same data back. So doing some smart caching in your user session, and then like clearing that part out when when you've moved on to your context or when basically treat it like session storage for that information. And when your skill or action ends, then you can flush that portion of user storage. In fact, I right. actually create it under a subkey that's called slash session. So then I just clear everything under my session. When
0: you know um, the session is dead. And, and this is one place that Google handles some of that for you. I mean, yeah. it, it saves a database. Well, it saves you having to do a database call. There's still a database call somewhere. It's just that Google gets to handle it instead of you. And Google yeah. gets to manage it instead of you, um, but it's still there. It's still, still time. It's still time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, that's, what, yeah that's what we're, we're talking
0: about. It, it, oh, I haven't, I have something else. Um, did you want to. Uh, well, I wanted something? to follow up on the, the yeah. talking about API stuff still a little bit more. Um, there's still going to be some cases though, where your API is going to take longer than the five seconds you have. And that's yeah. just the nature of some of these APIs that we're dealing with. Um, and that's where it starts getting complicated. I know that both platforms have different ways to deal with that. And they're they're tricky. Um, so I know Alexa has a way that you can send back or re- start sending back a result and then kind of send a, oh, wait, I actually have more answers for you. Um, which I don't know is that I remember reading about it. Are you talking about progressive response? That must be what I'm talking about. Yes.
1: Yeah. Actually progressive response is just being able to send back saying, Hey, I'm getting some information. So it's a way to send back a a little, um, I guess uh, some TTS um, back to the client while it's making the API call. So you don't get any extra time. It's just kind of like that.
0: interesting, okay.
1: Showing the cursor on the UI or something to to make it seem like it's doing something. So you're like, oh, okay, it it heard me. Um, Well,
0: but still, again, you know, when you're talking seven seconds, getting a response Mm -hmm. back quickly.
1: Yeah. And then
0: it it helps a little waiting for, you know, the rest of the response.
1: Yeah, because the the perception to the user is that they've heard something within just a, a, you know, a second or so, right? While it's really still making the query, and you know, the, the other option is that you would have had to wait three seconds. So maybe now in five hundred milliseconds, you get this thing back that says, uh, "Getting your, you know, searching for the result now, or whatever you want mm-hmm. to message, and then, and then the message comes back." And so it seems like, you know, to the user, "Hey, this is being more responsive," um, but it's not really doing anything other than letting you send back a message. Right
0: on, on the Google side, it's a little more complicated. Um, since we don't have progressive response, the solution that I've cooked up with, that I've cooked up and I recommend people try to use is send back the response quickly. uh, After your response is processed in another thread or as part of the same process, continue with the API call, get the answer, save it in a database against the session somehow. As part of the response you send back saying, hang on, I'm still working, play an audio clip using the media player. Oh! When the media player finishes, it triggers an event. That event now goes back to your action, which checks the session to see if it's got a result for you. If it does, it gives you the result. If it doesn't have a result, it sends back a response saying, I'm still working. Hang on just a little bit longer and repeats this process. Ooh, interesting. I'd like to see that in action. Well, surprisingly enough, you actually do if you've played Crosstalk. Oh, I didn't notice that. It, well, it's because I'm very subtle about it. In, in the splash <laughs> screen for Crosstalk, the splash screen comes up immediately and you then says something like getting a list of games. Well, that getting a list, and then if you listen very carefully, you'll hear an audio clip played. Ah. That getting a list of games, plays the audio clip and then triggers the next round. Now I'm guaranteed to get that in one round. So that's not a, uh, it's not forced by timing, but I did that because I wanted the trivial response. I wanted the splash screen to, to show up immediately. Immediately, yeah. And then, cause loading the, the list of games could take a little bit longer. I see, that's a nice little trick. It's, it's a clever trick. It's one of those tricks I keep thinking I should you know, formalize and codify into multivocal so anybody can use it. Um, but I've, I've talked about it a couple of times now. Oh, well, good. It, Thanks for sharing that. It, it also fails in certain cases because not everything implements media player, which we talked oh, about last time. Yeah, that's true. So in those cases, you need to respond with something like, I'm still working. Give me a moment and then say something and that starts getting a little weird.
1: Is that, is that okay with you? You want yeah. to keep <laughs> something, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: you know, something to, to prompt them. So that's not, it's not a perfect solution, but it's, it's an interesting workaround that I found.
1: You could, that'd be interesting because you could say, you could do something interesting like, hey, while we're waiting, um, you know, here's a little poll. Would you rather be a <laughs> dinosaur or a frog? And it would just take, you know, it could just take whatever, right? it doesn't- That's it doesn't a good point, yeah. The answer is, you could kind of make it like a fun little quirky, whatever the style is of the of the the game that you're doing or the-
0: Or the rest of the app that's going on. Yeah. You know, just, just you know, getting a little bit of information if you need to get that information as well. That's a great point.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, while we're waiting, let me hit you up with some, for some information. Something else
0: that you can do because- um, Actually, I'm sorry, okay. I just want to I just want to finish that. It occurs to me I have seen that actually in action. There was a a travel uh it was either a skill action or both that, you know, got a bunch of flight information. Um but then the lookup for that flight information took a couple of seconds. Uh-huh. So it said, while I'm looking up this information, let me ask you some more questions. And do it. Would ask some more questions about what do you intend to do at this destination. You know, is this destination for work or for pleasure? Are you going? You know, do you need a hotel? So that once it had the result back for you, it also had a little bit more information. Some of which it may not have exactly needed. Well, that's interesting. Um, if you're able
1: to capture that information, um, the, I remember a conversation I had once with um, Heidi Culbertson, who was 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 you know was really good at figuring out based on what you know approximate age you are maybe if you need to have you know things said in a lower uh, tone or slower or you know based on, on or uh, use I, different you,
0: phrases yeah
1: yeah and so one of the ways they would do that would, would be you know the direct way is like how old are you or you know what's your birthday which is kind of evasive but um, you could ask a question like uh, when you were 10 what was your favorite show was it more like, you know, Gunsmoke mm-hmm. or um, Three's Company, I don't know, whatever, right?
0: You should be watching Three's Company at 10. <laughs> at least no, that's a great point is, is, you know, using that opportunity to get additional information, which again, helps you determine how best to, to respond to the person you're talking. Yeah, to. you could
1: get information that would help personalize the whole overall experience it may not be something that's directly related to the, the game or, or app, um, but you could ask some information that could then help personalize it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's cool. I like that idea. A
0: lot of, lot of interesting thoughts on that one, yeah. <laughs>
1: when, um, when a Lambda function starts up, then um, the, actually you use it and then it can be reused by somebody else. But if it doesn't, then it kind of hangs out there for a little while if you've got some read-only information, then you could actually use the fact that this the container's um, loading up and save it kind of at that container level, um, kind of like as a global almost. And, and, um, and so then the next time that somebody gets it, then you would have that information. So you could do that, like if you had a number of read-only um, assets, like the text-to-speech, um, Responses for all your stuff. You could mm-hmm. load that because that's not going to change during the life of that container. Um, so there,
0: there could be other things that you do. Um, mm-hmm. This is actually one of the things. That's one of the things that I do with Multivocal is when it starts up, it loads a bunch of the. It, it can load a bunch of the configuration from the database. Right. So that's a relatively expensive operation that it does up front and loads into memory, and then each execution instead of going back to the database for. Relatively static configuration, right? It just pulls that out of memory. Yeah, so that's
1: a, that's a nice little trick too. Um, yeah. it's just it's, it's just kind of another play. You can cache things, uh, you know, at the user session level that's stored to the database, or you can actually stash it at a, at a global level if it's read-only information.
0: The trick there is making sure that you're not doing that for user information, because. Yes you don't necessarily hit the same session each time exactly and that's that's something to remember um you can still you know you can store it in a local memory as long as you're willing to you know assume that you're not always going to see it there yeah but you know so it's, it's useful as a cache but don't rely on it
1: yeah so that's another trick for performance um, there are starting some of the the tools to help you figure it out. We are already talked about like at the AWS service level, you can go into your uh, CloudWatch logs or your Lambda monitoring screen or your DynamoDB monitoring screen, and you can you can look at some information and, and help. But some of the stuff actually um, Amazon is surfacing in your built-in analytics panel. They have this uh, panel called the
0: performance uh, panel. No, you say Amazon. There is that AWS or Alexa.
1: This is actually Alexa. I was
0: going to say, which of the two were you talking about? Okay. Yeah.
1: So yeah, you can go into your Alexa Developer Console and see, you know, like how many users have used just system in, in, in a certain time frame. One of the things is that you can get performance information, so you can say. Uh, one of the statistics that they're counting under performance is your um, in, intents, your your confidence level in your intents. How many mm. intents are people saying that actually come back with a response? Um, so what is your uh, you know confidence rating? Do you have lots of good coverage? Like a ninety-seven would be a lot better than a sixty-seven, right? So then you're like, oh, I need to, I'm I'm hitting a lot of fallback intents or something like that, and so that's something where you can then tweak your language model and get better performance from you know positive hits on the the mm-hmm. utterances
0: that people we're, are saying we're going to need to talk about intents and fallback intents another show i think for okay. for other reasons we've got some interesting stuff that we need to talk about there um so yeah another, what are, what other what other performance yeah. stats do they give there
1: well, another one is endpoint latency mm-hmm. so it's going to tell you how many milliseconds it's taken on average um for a response to come back so then you, you get like one number to look at as opposed to, you know, having to go into your, um, you know, cause like your, your um, logs for um, for like your Lambda monitoring is going to be like the last hour, the last two hours, the last, you can say in the last seven days or in the last month, what was my average rating? And you can see an, you know, an arrow up or down, is it getting slower or is it mm-hmm. you know, going faster? Um so that's another thing and then the last other one is like how responsive is the endpoint your webhook that you're hitting? Error um, rates on is error. it yeah your error rates is it is it hitting 100% of the time or is it you know so those are all you know different things that you can do that are are built into the analytics mm-hmm. that uh,
0: the the Google Actions console analytics has similar some similar ones I don't think it has the intent one it has the latency one the the webhook latency one One of the neat things about it is I believe it actually gives both 50% and 95% Mm. um, timing. So, you know, how, you know, 50% of all of them fall, you know, what is here's the average time that it takes. Here's how long 95% of them will complete it. So you can really see: do you have a huge variance? Is there something about your action that just is wild and unpredictable, or are you pretty steady and consistent?
1: Yeah, so uh, Alexa gives you a P90. um, Okay. So, you know, what what is 90% of the responses? um, You know, where do they fall? So, it's just another way to check out some uh, information that then can inform over time. You know, I need to look closely, more closely here and figure out what to do.
0: Right. You know, again, is it, you know, if you start seeing the numbers getting slower, you start going, well, why? and it's yeah and, and you, yeah you start wondering now
1: is it something that's getting slower over time because there's more data about a person mm-hmm. or there's more data about the whole universe of your application or you can start trying to figure out where things um, where
0: those bottlenecks started yeah. creeping in that honestly testing will is difficult to, to find them you know when when you start modeling stuff <laughs>
1: Yeah. And if you're starting out like zero information in your database and you know, it's going to be different when you have yeah. you know, 5,000 rows, 20,000 rows, hundred thousand, you know, whatever. When you have those million pl- uh, players
0: in your game. then <laughs> When you have those million players and you get to celebrate, you also start getting to panic because <laughs> your numbers have gotten worse.
1: <laughs> you're like, ah, but that's one of the advantages of of building on a, on a cloud infrastructure. And that's why I think they spend a lot of time. Um, th- these companies, you know, Google and Amazon, giving you best practices and patterns mm-hmm. and and things to follow. Um, you know, we talked about one of the things when well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago is that maybe your your skill or action is doing something, but it doesn't need to wait around for the answer. Like it needs to send out a tweet or send an email or you know, log performance.
0: You know, log yeah. the interaction itself. Yeah.
1: And, and you, you could, even if you had like multiple things to do, you could start looking at something like event bridge where you can send multiple events or you can send um, an event which then triggers other things which happen all, you know, behind the scenes that you, you, know, you, know, you don't have to wait for it at all. You've got this you know, really quick um, sub 100 you know, millisecond response back from this thing, but it could be a whole chain reaction of other things that happen or check other systems asynchronously. Like if you needed to create an order, you could say, you know, your, you know, order has been submitted, check back later. And it might do this whole other thing behind the scenes. Yeah.
0: I think that's important to remember because normally, you know, when we're developing, you know, when we develop visual user interfaces, it's pretty common for us to do everything and then reply back when it's all done. Yes. you know, we see that pattern on web pages that we put up a spinner. We see it actually on mobile when we put up a spinner. That's not best practice here. Yeah, but for stuff that we don't need to respond to specifically, don't because once again, we have five seconds. Yes, five precious seconds. <laughs> I, it's it's I you know I really can't emphasize that enough. That if there's something that we can defer to after we send back the response, yeah. defer till after we send back the response.
1: Well, and the other thing is if you need to make multiple API calls, is there a chance that those could be happening in parallel? Yeah. So you could, you, could, you know, kick all of those off, you know, your three different API calls back and wait. And then you really then the way, the time that you're waiting is the time for the longest, you know, the slowest response to come back. As opposed to doing that one after the other, you know, if there's a, a way that you can do that, that's there's you know, ways to do that.
0: And honestly, you know, I think even now it's still difficult for people in some ways to wrap their heads around um, how to handle asynchronous operations in JavaScript. You know, so that notion is a powerful one. Yeah, it's a tough one. A lot of people just don't. It, it's hard to think about that. Um, yeah I'm, I'm really grateful for you
1: know when they finally got into async await oh, which is man. something that i'm oh. more used to in you know dot net um world that i'm just like that is just so much easier than trying to do a callback inside of a callback and then you, you know right. all of others fire off three
0: that, co- fire off three events and and have them all call back to the same thing that keeps track of how many times it's been responded to yeah
1: yeah but, or, or yeah and that and that works if you want to do synchronous one after the other and just and just keep the flow like it's synchronous but really it's an asynchronous um call for something um but or you can set up multiple promises and just send them into one you know i want to satisfy all of these you know promises at once and that would be then doing multiple parallel mm-hmm. ap- api calls
0: and you know if one or you know any of them fail, here's how we need to handle it and yep. You know, maybe in that case, it does mean you need to wait until they all respond to respond back. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, respond back before, you know, anything. Just make sure you understand when to respond back, right? And, yeah, and
1: then and be smart about your timeouts yeah. um, you know, for each of your API call. If you've got control with your you know Axios or however you're making those API calls, make sure you're setting the timeout. So whatever the default, which may be way too long, might be geared for a desktop application. Um, make sure that you're set up uh, to something that's reasonable. And you know that's probably not five seconds or maybe <laughs> four seconds. It might be two seconds or even one second. So then you start to fail earlier when... Things are, you know, happening, um, and then you start to realize, okay, what am I going to have to do different with this API? Am I going to have to have some other process that makes the call and pulls it down and caches it in a database mm-hmm. and refreshes it periodically? What am I going to do? What do I do?
0: You know, do I make smaller calls? Am I asking me to ask for more targeted inf- information? Sometimes yeah. that that will end up restructuring the design of your conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. A lot of
0: things to think about when it comes to performance. Yeah,
1: and and I'm sure we didn't hit all of them. I'm so sure. Yeah. Please share us uh, some tips and tricks from for that. I'm I'm always willing to learn, and uh, who and knows, I you think, might save my bacon.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think this is one place where a lot of us do have a lot to learn. It's it's a new field. It's a new experience. We would love to hear what what people have to say and and their performance tips and tricks. Yeah, please do. Um, and uh, you know,
1: if you want to hear about a you know, specific uh, you know, problem that you're hitting and want our opinion, we'll you know, just speak up or have an idea
0: for a developer you want on um, to share some of their insights, just let us know. We are, we are always uh, on the lookout for new questions, new problems to help you solve, and hopefully that we can solve together. And uh, if you know, those that we do get, we will talk about them another time on two voice devs. Two voice devs. Take care, everyone. Yep. Take care.